It's so good to have you here today at church. I want you to know, because sometimes you need to be reminded of this, that just getting to church on a Sunday means that you're winning at life right now, okay? So you just need to give yourself a little congratulations and tell yourself, you know what, I'm not doing so bad. I made it to church, right? I overcame some obstacles already today just to get here in Jesus' name, okay? So I hope you feel good about that. I want to welcome you, uh, and we're in this series called The God I Never Knew. Um, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, who is a, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet he's probably the most misunderstood and ignored person of the Trinity. Maybe because of weird experiences or fear or misunderstanding, you've just never really understood what the Holy Spirit was about and embraced him in your life. And we're trying to change that. I believe that this is going to be a transformational series of teachings for our church as we grow in our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Yeah. Does that sound okay to you? Yep. And I need you to know, if you're new to this church, that this is one of those kind of, uh, I want to say like a little bit rowdy churches, you know, like people are a little bit passionate here because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is one of those places where uh, when it's time to worship God, uh, you're allowed to just like enter into that and participate. Um, we're not performing a concert. Um, on Sundays, we are worshiping God together, and your praises are just as important as any praises that come from the stage. When we read the word of God and we preach a message, we believe that God is speaking to our hearts through his word and through his spirit, and it's more powerful than any words that a human being would come up with to say, okay? So you need to know that when we have these messages, um, you're not so much just hearing from a pastor who has like a clever sermon for you. You're hearing from the Holy Spirit who wants to help you grow in your relationship with God and experience all of his blessings. So when you hear something that's good or encouraging to you or true, you're encouraged to respond to that and say like, amen, or hallelujah, or God be praised, or like, I feel that, or preach white boy, or something like that. And you're really in your heart, you're responding to God and you're affirming that you hear God speaking to your heart. And there's something powerful, I believe, about responding to when God speaks to you. So you know, you know it's okay, right? Like if you, if you feel comfortable with that, um, or even if you don't, I just wanna just invite you to participate and be vocal and demonstrative and affirm what you're hearing from the Holy Spirit. Today, I wanna answer the question about him. Is he a person? Is he a person? There is nowhere in the Bible where the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it. We talked a lot last week about how Jesus called him a he, a him. Right? But there are whole theological belief systems where the Holy Spirit is not considered a real person, but just a force. Even Jehovah's Witnesses, I don't know if you know this, um, or J-dubs as I call them, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Right? So if, they if you tell, tell you that they're Christians, you can tell them, like, you're a Christian, but you don't believe Jesus, who said that he's going to send the Spirit, who's his Spirit, right? So, I mean, that's a problem. In the early church, there was a whole uh, heretical theological movement called Arianism that did not believe in the Holy Spirit. So you got to understand that not everybody takes the Word of God as the literal Word of God and believe that, believes that is true. And here's the thing. Even though we do believe that the Holy Spirit is a person, sometimes we don't live that way. Sometimes we ignore him and we don't take advantage of the relationship that we can have with God through him. So we need to understand that he is a person. If you don't know that he's a person, you will not have a personal relationship with him. If you don't believe he's a person, why would you talk to him? 
Why would you? You don't, you don't talk to fire. You don't talk to the winds unless you're crazy. But we want to talk to the Holy Spirit. He is a person. It's, it's easy to think of the Father as a person, God the Father. It's easy to think of Jesus as a person. He had a, a body. We know um, he was a person. But oftentimes, we struggle to think of the Holy Spirit as a person. I think it's probably because his name, the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes I have good ideas that I think would help God. And uh, <laughs> I've thought to myself, you know, God, you should have named him Tom. Because then we'd be a lot, more, a lot more comfortable just being like, you know, I'm going to talk to Tom. I'm going to talk to Tom about this real quick. You know, if you're at a formal church, you could call him Thomas. If your church was kind of wild, you could call him Tommy, right? But like, I think God, you know, this is a branding problem that you have here with the Holy Spirit. Like, and so the reality is the Holy Spirit is not his name. You know that, right? It's not his name. Think about this. God, the Father. His name is God. His function is to be the Father. God the Son. Jesus' name is God. His function is to be the Son of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Holy Spirit, his name is God. And his function is to be the Spirit of God that dwells in you and empowers you to witness for him and to guide you into all truth. So his name is God. He is a person, and we need to recognize that. What distinguishes him as a person? Is it just that he has life? Not everything that has life is a person. You know, trees have life, but they're not people, contrary to what some hippies would have you believe, okay? <laughs> this is Arizona. We don't play that game. Uh, no offense if you're from California. We're glad you're here. We believe that God's going to transform you. Don't worry, okay? <laughs> the simple definition of a person has a personality, Theologically, the definition of a person, a person has a soul. A soul, theologically, is made up of three parts, mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. We see that God has a soul. In Matthew 12, 18, the Father God says about Jesus, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, with whom my soul is well pleased. God has a soul. The Father has a soul. He talks in the Old Testament about his soul. Jesus has a soul, we know. He said, as he was being led to his crucifixion, he's preparing for that, that tragedy that was going to happen in his life. It was a difficult time for him, right? We got to remember that. We think about the cross and brings us joy. Jesus, when he was getting ready for the cross, he was really going through a rough time. And he said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. In other words, my soul is so sad, I feel like I could die. He had a soul. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit has a soul. He has a mind, a will, and emotions. You think with your mind, you have desires with your will, and you feel with your emotions. So let's think about this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. We talked about that last week. He's our helper. So doesn't it make sense? Could it be possible that one of his purposes in your life is to help you think like God, desire what God desires, and feel what God feels. I believe that's what he wants from you and for you. He can tell you what God thinks and desires and feels. He's uniquely qualified because he is God. He is God. And so number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. He has a mind. We're going to talk about this. He has a mind. Um, some of you have lost your minds, but the Holy Spirit never 
does. He has a mind. Jesus said, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He knows all truth and he can guide you into all truth. How is that possible? Unless he has a mind and he can contain knowledge. The Bible says about God that he is omniscient is a word that we'll use that word omniscience, omniscient. It means all knowledge. In other words, God knows everything that can be known past, present, and future. Think about that. It is impossible for a thought to occur to God that he has never had before. God has never been in heaven and said, you know what? I just thought of something (laughs) because he already knows everything. He's never had a new thought. He knows everything there is to be known. So think about this. Think about the benefit of having the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. You have someone inside of you who knows everything and has committed himself to be your teacher. God knows everything, doesn't he? God, Bible says in Psalms, he knows every star in the universe and has a name for each one. He knows and sees every person on the planet at the same time. God, he knows the ever-reducing number of hairs on all of our heads. He knows everything, right? So you have the Holy Spirit inside of you who knows everything. And let's be honest for some of us, right? It's been a while. We didn't do that well in school. You'd say, like, I don't know a lot. But the Holy Spirit knows everything, and he lives in you. That means you have the potential to receive knowledge that comes from outside of yourself from God himself. That sounds very helpful, doesn't it? Like, this is, this is helpful. But listen, you won't ask him to show you something if you don't believe he's a person. A couple uh, months ago, I was getting ready for work in the morning. Um, I, I do work during the week. I know some of you weren't really sure about that. So I was getting ready and getting ready to come to the office here at the church. There's an office here. And uh, just praying for the church, praying for you guys. I'm always thinking about our church family and just what God has next for us. And all of a sudden, I started having these ideas about a certain ministry in our church. I wasn't even thinking about it. But all of a sudden, I felt this knowledge that there was a problem and there was changes that needed to be made. And all these ideas started coming to me, just like pop, 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 pop in my head. And it wasn't from something I read in a book. It wasn't from a conference I went to. But I was just like, whoa, I I wasn't even thinking about this. And then these ideas popped in my head. And like, these are really good ideas. Like, and I didn't even think of these. Like, and you know what? It was from the Holy Spirit. I wasn't even aware of a problem that he was aware of. And he who has all knowledge dropped in my mind, one, the awareness of the problem, and two, several solutions for the problem. He who knows all things lives within you. How many of you would say, there are some things in my life where I would benefit from having God drop some answers on me? Okay, I think so, right? So what if you start to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and give you knowledge beyond what you have within yourself? It says in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How is that possible? In case you're wondering, it's not that we can somehow take the brain out of Jesus and drop it in you like Frankenstein's monster. You know, I know we just had Halloween, but you can't do that. You can't do that. But you can have the mind that, is it, that was in Christ Jesus because you have the spirit in you who has the mind of Jesus, right? And some of you need to allow God to transform your mind to be more like Jesus and think more the way that he thinks. Listen, when you start to think the way that God thinks, 
It will bless you in so many ways. When I'm mentoring young leaders, I don't want to tell them what to do in a certain situation. I want to, tell, I want to teach them to think like I would think in that situation. Because if you learn to think the way your leader thinks, you can handle any situation. If you'll learn to think the way God thinks, you won't always need a specific answer or guidance in every little situation because you'll know how to handle those situations in general as you change your thinking to align with his thinking. Some of you, we've talked in the past about having toxic thoughts, critical thoughts, negative thoughts, and, and you would benefit thinking more like Jesus and less like your old self. If you'll allow the spirit of God to renew your mind, you'll find that you start to think like God. And how many of you know I'm better off thinking like God than thinking like me? Amen? So we wanna have the mind of God and the Holy Spirit has a mind and you can allow that to change you and help you. Number two, he has a will. He has a will. And will is what causes us to desire. Have you ever imposed your will on someone? If you have kids, maybe you did this morning. Maybe you imposed, like, get up. You're going to church. No, I'm tired. I don't care if you're tired. You're going to church, child. I just want to make sure some of you parents know you're allowed to do that. Like, I've talked to some parents. and like, I really wish my kids would go to church. And I'm like, oh, how old are they? Oh, they're like 12. I'm saying, there's a problem in this parental relationship. Your house, your rules, you got breath in your lungs, you're going to church. And I'm sorry, ladies, but sometimes you got to treat your husband the same way, okay? Like, I love it if the husbands would just lead their families to church every week, but let's be honest, sometimes they need a little extra push, right? Some of those guys are still getting there. But seriously, like, you can force your kids to go to church. It's for their benefit. I believe in it. I endorse that behavior. That is a side note. I'm going to get back to this sermon now. Okay. The Holy Spirit also has a will, and we see multiple examples in Scripture of him imposing his will and sharing his will with his, his people. In Acts, we see this a couple times, like Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside that carriage. He told him exactly what he wanted him to do. Later in Acts chapter 16, he told apostles Paul and Silas and Timothy, you're not allowed to go to preach in Asia. He has his will. He shared his will and he led them. Since he has a will and his will is the will of God, and I know all of you want to know God's will for your life, why not get to know him? Why not get to know the Holy Spirit? If you'd like to know God's will for your life, get to know the Holy Spirit. The number one question that Christians ask, number one question, how do I know God's will for my life? We ask about that and we ask about sex and dating. That's the two most common questions we have as Christians, okay? So, you know, the ultimate like church sermon would be how to know God's will for your life about sex and dating. That's just, that would be it. Everyone wants to know what is God's will for my life? Well, do you realize you can know God's will for your life? God's will has two parts to it. There's his general will and his specific will. His general will is true for everyone. His specific will is specific. His general will, you can understand completely whenever you want if you will open your Bible and read it. He reveals his general will for humanity through his word. He reveals his specific will for your life through his voice. Okay, so in other words, you can understand how to be married through God's word. But if you want to know who to marry, you need to hear God's voice. Like God doesn't have a chapter in the Bible about like if you should marry Fred or Jimmy. 
You know, you need to hear his voice. Uh, if, if you'll read the word of God, you'll learn how to handle your finances, but you need to know God's voice in order to maybe understand which specific business to start or when. If you want to know how to be a good parent, you can know God's general will in his word. But if you want to know specifically how to parent each individual child with their unique personalities the right way, you need to hear from his voice. The word of God tells us that we should be generous. That's true for every Christian. The, the voice of the Holy Spirit tells us how to be generous, like how much to give in specific situations. So we need both. We need to know his general will, and we all want to know his specific will. A lot of us, we get really caught up wanting to know his specific will, but our problem is we're not obeying the commandments and righteousness that he lays out for us in his general will. So that's our, that's our main problem. And I just want you to know that if you'll follow God's general will for your life, in other words, if you'll live and follow his ways, he will lead you into his will. Yes. And so I talked about that with like Kingdom Builders the other week, uh, this offering where we give at the end of the year um, that supports missionaries around the world, church planting, and great causes in our community. Um, and I said that with an offering like that, where we give generously, above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings, which is going to be awesome. I want, I'm really praying that our whole church will participate in this in some way. What you do for an offering like that is you pray to the Holy Spirit and you ask him to reveal to you what you should do specifically. And he'll speak to you, right? And if you hear him saying like, hey man, don't do anything, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the burrito you ate last night, Okay. <laughs> But he'll lead you into that. And when you obey him, you'll just find so much joy in that and so much blessing. So what, that you can actually start to apply this to your life right now and practice this by asking God, okay, Holy Spirit, show me how should I participate in that offering? And then you can start to just get more familiar and more comfortable with talking to him and listening to him so he'll, he can show you God's will for your life, right? And, and so we know God's general will is in scripture. His specific will is revealed to you through his spirit. If you want to know how to pray, Jesus teaches us how to pray in the Bible. If you want to know what to pray, you need the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that none of us know what to pray? You might think that's not true. You might think, no, I know what to pray. I pray all the time. I'll show you in scripture. Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the spirit. He has a mind because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So here's what this passage is saying. Anytime you've had the thought, I should pray for, fill in the blank, it was the Holy Spirit that was showing you that. Maybe you didn't realize the Holy Spirit's been working in your life this whole time. If you come out of church afterwards and, and you're talking to someone and she's like, I've been having a really tough time and, and, and you feel in your heart like, man, I should pray for her. Like, I want to I wanna pray. I, I want to pray for her right now for some reason. That's the Holy Spirit that's showing you. Maybe you'll be sitting in your car, you know, one day just kind of in that traffic and just stuck there. And all of a sudden this thought will pop in your head like, man, I want to pray for my kids. I want to pray for my pastor. Like, he definitely needs it. That's the Holy Spirit showing you what to pray. Isn't that cool that God leads us in what specifically to pray for? Some people, you've, you've woken up in the middle of the night and you started praying for someone and you didn't even know why. The Spirit 
led you to pray. That's never happened to me. I sleep through the whole night, okay? I'm just telling you. I'm just being honest. But this is the most incredible time to be alive in human history. I need you to understand that. It's not because of the internet, although we love it. It's not because of like smartphones. It's because as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You need to understand this, that for thousands of years through the Old Testament period, all of God's people waited for one person to reveal the specific will of God. Only one person could talk to God, the high priest. He would go into the holies of holies once a year and hear God's voice. And everybody else would be standing outside like, what's he got to say? What, what did he say for us? I mean, think about that. I mean, at least God was speaking to them, but imagine having to be relayed information through someone else, what God has for you in your life. How, how sad is that to think about? And then there were, there were hundreds of years where the king of Israel didn't even hear the voice of God. He had to get like the prophet of God next to him and be like, so what does God want us to do right now? Like, should we go to war? Should we not? Should we plant? Should we harvest? What? But now here we have this day and age opportunity where Jesus has died and rose again. He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell inside each of us. And we each have the opportunity to hear the voice of God individually. And, and wait, the problem is though, that so often we ignore him because we're afraid of him. And oftentimes it's because you saw one or two weird people being crazy and blaming it on God. And so you've lived your life, some of you ignoring the person of the Holy Spirit because you didn't understand him or you saw some weird things. Remember we said last week, the Holy Spirit is our friend and he's not weird. Weird people are weird. God is not weird. Those people would be weird without the Holy Spirit. They're just weird people, right? Whenever you see a weird person being weird and blaming it on God, just know that's not God. That's a weird person. God is awesome. He's attractive, right? He makes people feel great. So you can be a normal person and function like a regular, stable human being and embrace the Holy Spirit in your life. I want you to understand that. And we see that we have this amazing opportunity to hear from him. Peter stood up in Acts 2.16. He said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I see visions because I'm young. And uh, some of you, not so much. You see dreams now. You have dreams. That's okay. Anyways, the point is, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us. And this is what everybody was looking forward to from Old Testament times. And now we have him and we can hear his voice. We can be led into God's will. And God wants to lead you. He wants to show you exactly where to go and where to step. So we know God, um, he shows us his thoughts and his will through his spirit. And then also we see with the spirit of God, number three, he has emotions. He has emotions. Did you know this? We think about, think about this. God has emotions the way that you do. And, and yet his emotions don't lead him to sin like we do sometimes, but he has emotions. God gets angry. God is jealous at times. God is filled with joy. All, all the feelings that you felt, you feel that way, that came from God because you were designed in his image. He has emotions. Some of times we struggle with our emotions. 
Okay, sometimes we feel sad and we, we don't even know why. And I know sometimes people feel depressed because of like medical reasons and, and biological reasons. You can't help it. But sometimes we get depressed and we just get in these funks. And, and other times we get angry and we allow our tempers to flare out of control. And we do things that don't honor God. I mean, I've seen some of you drive. I know. I know this is true. <laughs> That's why some of you probably shouldn't put that Generation Church sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> You know, like just, no, not, that's probably not a good idea. Some of you, you should, you should put it on the back and then you can look in your rear view mirror and I'd be like the Holy Spirit reminding you like, Hey, right? Like that would benefit you. That would benefit you. But sometimes our tempers lead us to, to sin. Our anger leads us to sin. Sometimes we get stuck in, in a rut emotionally. And yet we know that God has emotions and the Holy Spirit has emotions. And if you'll embrace the Holy Spirit, what you'll find over time, is that as you get in sync with him, you'll start to feel the way that God feels. In Galatians 5, this is a passage that you've probably heard before. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A person feels love. A person feels joy. A person feels at peace. The Holy Spirit is a person. And as you get more in sync with him, as you start to grow in your relationship with God, you're going to find yourself feeling more the way he feels. You're going to start to find peace in the middle of difficult situations where it really doesn't make sense to have peace. And I, I get very, honestly, as a pastor, I get very concerned about Christians who say, well, I don't get emotional about my walk with God. Because I don't know, I can't judge someone's heart. And we're, we're all different. We all have different types of emotions. doesn't mean that every time you come into church, you're going to be like sobbing and tearing up. That's just not reality. But I get, I get concerned about someone who says, I never feel emotional about God. And they're always like, well, I'm just not an emotional, I'm just not an emotional guy. Right? But really? Like, what, what if you got pulled over and got a ticket on the way home? Like, I think you'd feel emotional. What, what, what if you got to work tomorrow and found out you just got a huge raise and a giant promotion? You'd be like, I'm not an emotional guy. That sounds, okay, whatever. <laughs> if your football team won the Super Bowl this year, I mean, we believe in a God who can do miracles, so I guess anything's possible, right, Cardinals fans? <laughs> Pray. I think we'd be emotional about it. Like, I, I've seen some of the dudes in our church watch football games, and they're there, like, cr crying and, like, hugging other guys and, like, on the floor, like, bicycle kicking in the air, like a puppy getting his belly rubbed. Then the same dude comes to church. He's like, yeah, I'm just not really that emotional. <laughs> and here's why I say this, because I remember a time in my life when I never felt anything for God. And there's a reason why. It's because I was not close to him. And I was brought to church, which is good. I, I'm glad the parents, my parents brought me to church. But I'll be honest, for different reasons, I didn't feel anything. Other people were singing around me, worshiping God and crying. And I'd even be like, why don't I feel that way? But I know why I didn't feel that way now. Because I wasn't close to God. I didn't pursue him. I didn't read about him. I didn't talk to him. And I, I did things that made him sad. I, and that's why I didn't feel emotional. And listen, I think the reason why sometimes we don't feel that in our heart is because we don't truly understand what God has done for us, church. 
Because listen, when you start to understand and actually believe in your heart that you have sinned against God, and then you start to realize like what that means and what you actually deserve, but then you stop and in light of that understand God had so much love for you that he sent his only son to pay the price for your sins and be tortured and killed on a cross. You think about how much pain that would have caused him. You think about what Jesus took on himself that he did not deserve. And then you think about the sadness and sorrow of seeing God in the flesh tortured and murdered because of what I did in 2017. Then you think about the overwhelming joy that would have happened when the same man came out of the grave by the power of God and rose again. And then you realize what that means for you, that you are never going to die as a follower of Jesus. Your body might temporarily go in the ground, but you will rise again and have a new body and live with God forever. In the meantime, you have his favor, you experience his love, you receive freedom from sin and bondage. And so like all that starts to sink into your actual soul where you understand, and then it makes you feel emotional. So you can't, you can't come and worship God and never say, I don't feel anything. You can't see someone get baptized like we do who has placed his or her faith in Jesus and experienced the, the overwhelming hope and joy that comes from that and not feel the joy that the Holy Spirit feels about that. Because remember it says in the Bible that all of heaven throws a party every time someone puts his or her faith in Jesus. So who do you think leads that party? The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus is in heaven going, celebrate good times, come on. And then God's people in church are like, oh, that's cool. When's this going to be over? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so as you, as, as you grow in your relationship with God, you'll find, though, you'll find, you might not even be able to understand this right now, but you'll find that you start to feel the way that God feels. And then we learn in Ephesians 4, it says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grief is something a person has. A person feels grief. Grief, grief is, is defined as is deep sorrow or deep pain. So maybe you've grieved, you've lost a loved one. And, and so we learn that there are certain things that grieve the Holy Spirit that caused him to feel sorrow and pain. And so if we back up in that passage in Ephesians 4 to verse 25, we can learn what kind of behavior grieves the Holy Spirit. It says, so stop telling lies. So lying grieves the Holy Spirit. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all, we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. So losing our temper and sinning, grieves the Holy Spirit. Don't let the sun go down while you're so angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's true, we know that. Verse 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. Okay, so stealing grieves the Holy Spirit. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. So not being generous grieves the Holy Spirit. 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So abusive, hateful, destructive language, that's what that's really talking about. Not so much like you said a swear word because you stubbed your toe. Right? But, but like the kind of person like tears people down with their words. That grieves the Holy Spirit. And then we read, as we did 
originally, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It goes on in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. That last sentence there is just like, and every other sin, right? Verse 32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So here's the summary of that passage. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. And it's not because he wants to be the fun police and tell you what you can't do. It's because he's your friend and he knows that sin hurts you and that makes him sad. The same way that if you're a parent and you have a child and you see that child doing something you know will hurt him or her, it makes you sad. If you have a friend that's doing something you know will hurt him or her, it makes you feel sad. That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. Grief is a sadness you feel when you lose intimacy with a person. That's why we grieve when loved ones die, because we lose intimacy when that, with that person. That's why we grieve when we get divorced, because you lose intimacy that was there. Now, it says in 1 Thessalonians that we don't grieve like those who have no hope. That means that when our loved ones do die, we know that if they're a believer in Jesus, and even though we miss them and we lose intimacy, now we know that we'll see them again. So we have hope. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. But still, loss of intimacy causes grief. And we grieve the Holy Spirit with sin because sin causes a loss of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. When we choose to willfully go on sinning in our lives, it blocks up our communication with the Holy Spirit. It's like a clogged drain. It's like as you sin, what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll show you that sin. He doesn't condemn you. The enemy condemns you. The enemy wants to condemn you. The Holy Spirit corrects you, which is loving behavior. He corrects you for your benefit. And so we, what we tend to do is we stiff arm his voice and then what that does is it turns the volume down in our heart and we lose intimacy with God. And we can't say as a Christian, I wanna hear God speak to me if I've been ignoring him when he's been trying to correct me so that I could grow. Are you following what I'm saying? Right, so what that means for each and every one of us is that we have sin that will happen in our lives because none of us are perfect. Nobody's pretending to be perfect here at all. There's only one perfect person here. It's the Holy Spirit, okay? And and so we all mess up. And the way to deal with that as a Christian is to quickly confess and repent of that sin. And then because we are saved by grace, we live in forgiveness immediately, immediately live in forgiveness. You don't have to walk around for weeks kind of beating yourself up, right? Because, man, I blew it that one time. Man, I know I just disappointed God. I'm, I'm so sad right now. It's like, no, as soon as you confess and repent from an honest heart, you're forgiven and you can live in that forgiveness. And, and you should even feel more joy thinking about the fact, how crazy is it that I just confessed sin to God two minutes ago and he already loves me as much as he ever has. And he never stopped loving me, right? I mean, and that's, what, that's the kind of thing that starts to cause you to feel a certain way about him, right? But, but here's what we need to know. When we go on sinning, it causes a loss of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. If you're truly saved, you know you'll go to heaven and see him again you'll see God again because you're saved by grace, not by works, okay? But if you go on living in willful sin, it does cause that loss of intimacy. But here's the good news. Repentance restores intimacy with the Holy Spirit. 
So here's what's so great. Maybe you're here at church today for a reason. One, maybe you're here to be reminded that the Holy Spirit is a person who is your helper and friend and God and that he lives in you and wants to bless you in so many ways. So maybe God is just reminding you of that this week and in the last week. Um, Maybe though you're here because right now in your heart, the Holy Spirit is showing you again that there are some things that you need to make right. And understand again, he does that because he loves you. It's because he loves you. So what you can do now, this is a great opportunity is to stop stiff arming him and instead repent. Repentance is not just being like, yo, sorry, God, my bad. Repentance is saying, God, I, I truly want to change. I recognize that my behavior grieves you and, and I'm, I, I'm ready to change. I'm ready to turn. Repenting means to turn from sin. And you begin the process of being restored. Repentance doesn't mean that you're gonna instantly have a total victory in every part of your life. Sometimes it's a journey, right? I mean, ask anyone that's going to celebrate recovery, ask anyone that's been brought out of bondage or addiction that you don't just have an overnight deliverance every time. Sometimes you gotta gotta walk, you gotta learn, you gotta grow, you're gonna take a couple steps backward and God keeps showing you and he keeps leading. So you begin the process though, of being restored and becoming more like Jesus once you repent. So today you're here and you have this opportunity. What is God showing you? Is he just showing you right now that he wants to have this relationship with you through the Holy Spirit? So if he is, just in your heart, just say, God, I I want more of you. And I'm sorry if I've ignored you. I wanna be close to you. I want the Holy Spirit to to speak to me. I I wanna know what he thinks. I wanna know what he wants for me. I wanna know what he feels. I wanna feel the way that he feels about both sin and righteousness. I wanna wanna be more like Jesus. And and I recognize that his job is to help me become more like Jesus. So man, you can just embrace him today. You can just embrace that relationship with the best friend you'll ever have. And maybe you're hearing you say, I need to repent. God has been showing me some things. And if I'm honest, I've been ignoring him, but now I'm ready to change. I'm going to do this thing right. And I'm ready. You're saying I'm ready to have my intimacy with God restored to what it should be. Then you can do that too. So let's bow our heads just in a moment of privacy. First, if you're here and you're a Christian and you'd say, there are some things in my life that I need to make right with God. Why don't you just begin to right now, just acknowledge those things and confess that sin to God and then receive forgiveness and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of the love that God has for you, even when there is sin in your life. It's understanding God's love that allows us to grow and become more righteousness, to grow in righteousness. So just allow him to speak to you and just just to confess and make it anything right that you need to with him. Just say, God, I, I know I messed up, I'm sorry, and I need your forgiveness. I wanna be more like Jesus and I wanna, I wanna grow in my relationship with God. And, and honestly, you might even need to apologize for keeping him at arm's length and saying, God, I've ignored you for too long. I wanna be close to you again. The Bible says, if you return to me, I will return to you. That's what God says. So as soon as we express the desire to restore intimacy with him, he's there. He's ready to be in that relationship with you and give you everything that he has for you. Maybe you're hearing you say, hey, I've never, 
never had a relationship with God. I don't have any intimacy with God because there is no relationship, but I want to experience this today. I want to be close to God and I want to understand the love that he has for me. I want to receive the forgiveness that he offers me and I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. The Bible says we're saved by simply believing in Jesus, that he died for us and rose again and that if we'll put our trust in him, we'll be saved instantly, not because of our own goodness, but because of the goodness of God. So maybe that's something you need to do for the first time or maybe it's the first time in a long time and you've been far from God for a long, long time. But guess what? God welcomes you home. And he says, you can come home. You can return to me. I welcome you. I'm ready to embrace you. So if you're ready to take that step of faith today and put your faith in Jesus, just the fact that you feel that desire at all, it's the Holy Spirit of God who is drawing you to Jesus. That's part of his function. We're only saved because the Spirit of God draws us. If you're ready to take that step of faith today, let's pray. Just say in your own heart, just say, God, I know that I need you. I know that I've been far from you, that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. And now I believe, I believe that Jesus died to pay the price for my sin. And I believe he rose again, giving me victory over sin and death. And so now I wanna live for you for the rest of my days. Thank you for loving me, God. I love you and I want to grow in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you pray that prayer, we wanna celebrate with you. So this is just one of the things we do each week. We're not gonna embarrass anyone, but if you just pray that prayer and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna ask you just to throw your hand up on the count of three so we can celebrate. One, God loves you. Two, don't be ashamed. Three, just shoot up. That's amazing. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else I didn't see? That's awesome. That's so good.